You're going out too far. Come in. You can't hold your brother underwater for more than 30 seconds. Hey, I saw those bubbles. <laughs> Yeah, never know what goes on in a swimming pool, do you? <laughs> anyway, Gay and I were talking the other day about swimming. Man, when I was a kid, I loved to swim. Now I can't even, I don't even like to put a bathing suit on. And I got this great body, but I don't know why I don't want to <laughs> put a bathing suit on it. Anyway, I hope you guys are well. Those online, we hope that you're all, all everyone's well. We have our children. You, some of you didn't have children this weekend. They're camping. And they had a great weekend for camping. It didn't rain too too much and anyway I'm sure everybody's all right and uh, we're glad that you're here today the case said we spent the weekend uh, not the week we left on we got there late Tuesday night came home late Friday night but anyway we spent time in Willow Creek Church with about 125 of our good friends from Nigeria and um, it was uh, interesting um, to be with them and be in that environment and it was an international environment it was a great uh, met new friends from all around the world and uh, so, but I'm running on a little bit low today, energy-wise, uh, but God is good. Well, the Style uh, Invitational, anybody ever heard of that in the Washington Post, the Style Invitational? All right, all right, give that guy a reward back there. Somebody read it. It's a long-running humor contest that runs every week, and it's in the in the uh, Washington Post, in one column, it was suggested that English has male and female nouns. Now, readers were then asked to assign a gender to nouns of their choice and explain their reasons. So, I want to see how you do with it, okay? Now, these are not my answers, okay? These are answers that was in the style section. So, don't, uh, I, that was a, um, what do you call that? Anyway, I'm not responsible. Okay, are you ready? Swiss Army knife, male or female? Why do you think it's male? Well, it's male because uh, even though it appears to be useful for a wide variety of work, it spends most of its time just opening bottles. <laughs> Kidneys, male or female? Female, right, because they always go to the bathroom in pairs. <laughs> Hammer, a hammer, male, because it hasn't evolved much over the last 5,000 years, <laughs> but it's handy to have around and it's good for killing spiders. <laughs> how, how about a tire, an automobile tire? Male. John, you're good at this, man. Did you read this? Were you here last night? Uh, okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Uh, it's male because it goes bald and is often, um, often overinflated. <laughs> yeah, how about, a, how about a shoe? A girl? It's a male, because it's usually unpolished with its tongue hanging out. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Web page. How about a web page? Female, because it's always getting hit on. Sponges. Female because they're soft and squeezable and retain water. Uh, <laughs> I'm not looking up on some of these. <laughs> Magic eight ball. Male, 
because it gives short answers that often indicate it really did not pay attention to the question. <laughs> Ziploc, yeah, amen, way to preach it there. Uh, Ziploc bags. No, mail, because they hold everything in, but you can always see right through them. Yeah, cars. How about a car? Female. Most of the time they're okay, but if you mistreat them or don't service them, they soon break down and turn into a wreck. Anyway, that's one of those I'm not looking up on. <laughs> anyway, welcome to church today. We are continuing our series called Lifeguards. And you might say, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. <laughs> Just... I read it this week. I thought, that'd be something interesting to see how well we do. And you did pretty well. But we're continuing our series called Lifeguards. And during this series, we're looking at ways to guard our hearts. Not our physical hearts. You know, Gay talked to us about the difference of that last week. Not our physical hearts, but our spiritual hearts. And uh, our key verse for this series is from, from Proverbs. And it says, it says this, guard your, uh, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. Why, why do we need to guard our heart above all else? It's the wellspring of life. It's the wellspring of life. That's a good old NIV. Uh, that's one that, uh, I'm, who said that? That's the original N NIV. The new gender-friendly NIV doesn't say that. But anyway, guard your heart. You didn't care about that, did you? Uh, see, that's the problem with me. Uh, guard your heart above all else. Why? because it determines the course of your life. Not only the course of your life, but the course of the life of others in, their, in your sphere of influence as well. You see, we're not an island. We don't live on this island and think that whatever we do with our life affects no one else. What we do with our life affects those in the sphere of our influence. And so we don't live on an island. You remember the ripple effect that Gabe talked to us about last week about when you throw a stone in the water, there's a ripple effect. That's kind of our lives. It's like a ripple effect. It starts with me, and it ripple effects out to my family. And it ripple effects out into my church and then into our community. You know, um, as you can see, it's, it, it's, it's the condition of our heart that determines the uh, course of our personal lives, but it also determines the course of our, the lives of our family as well. We're not an island when it comes to our family. Uh, what we do with our life determines and affects uh, the lives of those that are around us. And so the condition of our heart will many times indicate the condition of the heart of our family. You see, we believe that a spiritually healthy person, and that's what Gay talked about last week, guarding your heart, entering into a relationship with him and then guarding our heart and becoming spiritually healthy because we believe that a spiritually healthy person produces a spiritually healthy family. Mom and dad, or if you're a single mom or single dad, you determine the, the spiritual health of your family. And if you're not spiritually healthy, the, the deal is your family probably will not be spiritually healthy. Because we believe also the spiritual, spiritually healthy family produces a spiritually healthy church that produces a spiritually healthy community. And it all centers around the condition of my heart. 
It centers around whether my family's healthy, whether my church is healthy, or whether our community is healthy. It's determined by the condition of my heart and the condition of your heart. And we've seen recently, as yesterday, the condition of the heart of people in our, in our world today. We've witnessed that on our TV screens day in and day out. And the problem I see in America today is that we've not taken time to guard our hearts. We're not taking the time to be spiritually healthy. And my fear for that is that it's in the church. It's in the church. That we're not taking the time to produce spiritually healthy hearts. And therefore it feeds into spiritually unhealthy uh, um, uh, uh, families and unhealthy com uh, churches and unhealthy communities. So today I want to talk to you about how to guard the spiritual heart of your family. And folks, I don't think there's any more important time in the history of the world that we work hard at protecting the spiritual heart of our families. If you're a mom or a dad, it is our responsibility to guard the hearts of our families, to, to make sure that our families have a spiritual heart for God. You see, family is something we all have in common, every one of us. You may not have children, or you may have grown up and moved out of the house, or you have children that are out at the camping trip. I don't know, but family is something we have all in common. It was designed by God to give safety and security to its members. You remember back last year when we talked about rebuild, we talked about that Jeremiah built a wall, or Nehemiah built a wall around the city to protect the families. And he, and he did that with families. He built the wall. And I believe that God designed the family to be a protection, a covering over the family. To be a wall around the family. And that the church is there to support the family and support those individuals who are wanting to guard their hearts and those who are wanting to guard the hearts of their families. And when we do that, we're going to produce a spiritually healthy church that people will line up to get in the doors. And then that'll affect our community. So I want to talk to you about families. You see, family relationships are tough. And you, you, you see and experience the struggles that family relationships go through every day. Broken marriages, unfaithful spouses, abusive parents, and disobedient children are predominant in our culture today. That's why we need lifeguards. That's why we need lifeguards in our lives to guard our spiritual hearts and the spiritual hearts of our family. Before I give you uh, the lifeguards, I, I want to give you two warnings. Now, these are two warnings that I've seen destroy the spiritual hearts of families over the 30 years of my ministry. I can go all the way back, and I have seen the decline in the family. I mean, this is really, you know, I might get up here a lot of times, or you might see me, you think I don't know a whole lot, but here's what I do know. After 30 years of marriage, these are two things that I have seen take down the family. Spiritually, I'm talking about. And those two things, first one is this. Well, first of all, I'll give you the scripture I found this week. It, um, it, it says this, whoever brings ruin to their family, on their family will inherit only win. That person who brings ruin on their family will inherit only win. win. Which makes these two warnings, I believe, even bigger and more important uh, when it comes to guarding the heart of our families and the condition of our world. The condition of of our world that happened one hour from our doorsteps. It's time, folks, 
that we get serious about our relationship with the Lord personally and we guard our hearts from the stuff that's in this world and that we guard our families and moms and dads, we are responsible to guard the hearts and minds of our families because it will determine the course of our life. It will determine. So the number one danger sign that I see, and I've watched it progress over the years that I've been here in ministry, not just here, but in ministry, and the number one danger sign that I see, and you know, Gay showed that sign last week, swim at your own risk, and if you do these, you're swimming at your own risk. You don't have a lifeguard in your life. And that's the first one is not making God and church a priority in your family. Not making God and church a priority in your family. Now, here's a real life story that illustrates this better than I can. It's a story that was from Fullerton, California. And it's, it's a story that I believe is a true story. And I think it's a story of many, many people today in our society, in our culture. It says a local father, Trevor uh, Michelson, 48, and his wife, Carrie, 45, are reeling after discovering that after 12 years of steady, steadily taking their daughter, Janie, Janie, to church every Sunday, taking their daughter to church every Sunday, they didn't have something more pressing. Taking their daughter to church every Sunday, they didn't have something more pressing like a sporting commitment or, or some kind of other outing, which was at least... Uh, once every three months. So they came to church once every three months when there was nothing pressing in their family schedule. And they said she no longer demonstrates the strong quarterly commitment to the faith they raised her with. Now she is college aged. And Trevor Michelson was simply stunned at the revelation. He said, I just don't understand it. He said almost every single time there was a rained out game or a break between school activities and club team seasons, we had Janie in church. He said it was at least once per quarter. And he said, and aside from the one tournament in 2011, we never missed an Easter Sunday. It was obviously a priority in our family. I just don't get where her spiritual apathy is coming from. I can tell you he said, I can't tell you how often we prayed the prayer of Jabez on the way to the game, his mother, the mother said, Jamie's uh, mother said. You don't know, you know the more I think about it, the more this illustrates how the church keeps failing this generation. <clears throat> Lamented Trevor, citing a recently Googled study by Barna. The Michelson's father noted plans to have a chat with the pastor of their church after the younger son's uh, Robert's soccer season uh, wears down, calms down a bit. You know, I've seen that story over the 30 years of my ministry played over and over and over again where parents begin to wonder what, wrong, what <clears throat> went wrong with their children, why their children are out of the church. We wonder every year why children leave the youth group and never ever come back to church once they're in college or once they're on their own. We wonder why, and I tell you, I have watched this over my lifetime of ministry, and I've seen it when parents don't make God a priority in their life, their children won't make God a priority in their life. It's just that simple. And the church takes the hit. You see, the number two warning is failing to set a good example. Failing to set a good example. 
You know, when I, when I was a youth pastor, I used to watch kids. That we, we had a tremendous outreach of kids. I mean, on Wednesday nights, we'd have up to 300 kids. Kelly, right there, she was in our youth group. And, and I'd watch those kids, many of them, that they were so sincere about God and they'd give their life to Christ and they'd go home and get absolutely no support and the family at home was living completely opposite of what this kid was trying to live in their life. And before long, you didn't see the kid anymore because I can tell you whether you believe it or not, you still have the most influence on your kids. You know, we like to say, well, I have no influence over my kid. You still are the number one influence in your children's life, no matter how old they are. My dad still has a tremendous influence on my life. I was going to buy a Subaru car, but my dad is a Chevrolet man, and he said, well, you better not buy that, that uh, Subaru. You know what I bought? A darn Chevrolet. And every time I see a Subaru, I say, wow, I wish I had bought that. <laughs> That's the kind of influence that our parents have over our lives. My dad is 80 years old and I'm 63 years old and he doesn't realize the influence he has over my life. And you don't realize the influence you have over, the ch over your children and when you're sitting at home and you're criticizing people or, or you're unthankful or you're greedy or you're whatever you are, believe me, that's the example that your children will follow. It's the example they will follow. And that's, how we that's why we have things happening like was happening yesterday. Because we failed to take, we failed to make God a priority in our life, and we failed to set a good example in our homes. Unkindness, irresponsibility, and on and on and on. Whoever or whatever you want your kids to be, you just be it, and they will be it. Okay? That's all that. Okay? I, I just had to get it off my chest. I mean, really. Six lifeguards. For guarding the heart of your family. I know you say six. My goodness, we'll be here all day. No, we won't. <laughs> the first one is show love and affection to one another. Show love and affection to one another. For some of you, you may find it hard to love your family. You know, it, it, some of you husbands may find it hard to love your wife. Or some of you wives may find it hard to love um, uh, your uh, husband or your, whatever the opposite. Whatever I said, that's my brain today. It's gone. But... Uh, and some of you may even find it hard to love your children. You know, and, and, and so it's hard for you to even think about guarding the heart of your family. I, it reminds me of the guy who told his wife that if she really loved him, she would have married someone else. <laughs> it takes a while. It's working its way back. <laughs> that was just a joke, okay? So much of the so-called love in this world is far less than the kind of love that will guard the heart of your family. You see, the world primarily talks about the kind of love where a person has romantic feelings or an infatuation towards someone. But love that is based on feelings, I can tell you, will fade over time. You see, people say, man, the first time I laid eyes on that girl, I fell in love with her. And, and, and I'm not sure real love is something you can fall into. You know, if, if you can fall in love that easily, then it's probably easy to fall out of love. And I think what's happening in our culture today, people are falling out of love because they don't have that romantic feeling anymore. They don't feel good inside anymore. And somebody else comes along and, wow, they made me feel good. And I can say to you, if you fall in love with them, one day you'll fall out of love with them because I'm telling you, you know if you're married that every day in like, oh, baby, girl, you're looking good today. 
except for gay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it, but if you could fall in love, can't you fall out of love? That's why love is not based on a romantic feeling or infatuation of all this stuff. The kind of love that will not, this kind of love will not sustain a family through difficult times. It just won't do it. The love that will guard the heart of your family is this love. This is the love that Paul talked about. It, this kind of love is patient. It's, love is kind. It, it does not envy. It, this is the kind of love that will last a lifetime. It, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. The kind of love that I'm talking about, that Paul's talking about, that will guard the hearts of your family will always protect. It will always trust. It will always hope. And it will always persevere. And it will never, ever, ever give up on love. You see, I, I don't think this needs any further commentary. The next lifeguard is to serve God as a family. In Joshua, the Bible says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Doing ministry as a family will guard the heart of your family. It will also unify your family, and it will bring more joy to your family than anything else that you can do. Gay and Jody and I and Christian, and when we came here, we did this together. And then Jason came in, and we did it together. And then he betrayed us and went to Richmond. And, <laughs> and uh, anyway, he's doing well there. First Corinthians says that St Stephanus and his family were the first to become Christians in Greece, and they're spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. You see, there's no stronger... Uh, bond, a lifeguard for the family than helping and serving others. Whether it's in the church with believers or in the community with unreached uh, people, together as a family. You know, the ultimate basis for joy and harmony in the family is found in Acts 16, It says the whole family was filled with joy. Why? Because they had come to believe in God. Now, that's the bottom line. When your whole family knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and serves the Lord, it will guard the heart of your family. Dad, when you love the Lord, when you, love, when you know the Lord and you love the Lord and you serve the Lord, it will be an example to your children to serve the Lord and love the Lord and know Him. And the same with moms. The divorce rate in America is now one out of every 2.5 marriages. A few years ago, Harvard University did a study, and then they reported in Marriage and Family magazine, and, and it said this, the, stu the study, they studied families where they read the Bible daily, where they prayed daily and went to church together, and the divorce rate was 1 of 1,286. Now, that's the difference that making God a priority in your life can make in your marriage and your family. You know, I, I don't care what the world says about God, and I don't care what the world says about God. I've lived this, and I know what God can do in a man's heart. I know what God can do in the heart of a family. I've been, Gay and I, this, our marriage has not been all roses, and you know that if you've been here long enough. You've seen it, you've watched us go through it, and I can tell you, if it wasn't be for the love of God and guarding our hearts, I don't know where we'd be. You see, he's the glue. Joy comes when our family loves God, knows God, and serves God together. 
He said, I encourage you today, if you're a believer and if, you're de if you've dedicated your life to God, I challenge you today to dedicate your family to God. Dad, get down on your knees. Mom, get down on your knees. And today, no matter how old your children are, dedicate your family to God. Dedicate it to God. And surrender it to God. And serve Him as a family. The next lifeguard may surprise you, but I believe it's crucial. You know, I... I how I did this message, I just went in, uh, I went in on my, uh, my Bible uh, program and I just typed in um, family. All the scriptures do with family. And, and I just took some scriptures that came up. It came up like a lot of them, but I didn't use them all. We had, this will be a series itself. Um, but this one may surprise you, but it's crucial. It says be generous. Now the Bible says the greedy, listen to this. The Bible says the greedy bring ruin to their households. That's huge. But the one who hates bribes will live. The Bible says a greedy heart, an unguarded heart, a greedy heart will ruin your family. And the cure for a greedy heart is generosity. If you're greedy, start giving. What we sow, we reap. See, generosity means giving freely, simply for the joy of making someone else feel good. And when we're generous, it instills a generous spirit in our children. Generosity means giving or sharing freely of the things that you value. It's not giving away something that you have extra. It's not giving from the overflow of, of the material possessions we have. Uh, it's giving things away that mean something to us. Whether that be uh, money, time, or love. A generous person gives without thinking of what am I going to get in return. And without strings attached, we simply do it for the joy of giving and making someone else's life a little bit better. You see, generosity has a ripple effect. It helps to guard the heart of your family. It, it helps us to break greed in our life while making your family a kinder, happier place. Another lifeguard for your family is to have fun together. Family is a place to have fun together. And I, I can tell you, that I probably could go around the church and ask people if you've had fun together lately, and most people will say, no, we haven't had fun lately together. We get up in the morning to go to work. You know, we eat a little breakfast, go to work, and we come home, and by the time we get home, that commute was good Friday, wasn't it? They were talking about the commute in Washington, D.C. and Chicago on Friday, talking about how bad it was. So that tells you it must have been really bad for Chicago, who has the highest crime rate in America, who needs to work on guarding the hearts of their family, we're concerned about the traffic. Maybe they were laughing, I don't know, about the traffic in D.C. Why did I say all that? Because we're, <laughs> probably because we're too tired to have fun. We're too tired to have fun. All we want to do is crash in the recliner and kick back. And I think there's times for that. But a family is a time that we should have to enjoy life together. And that's missing. The Bible says enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Now, I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about the kind of love that Paul talked about, which you can't fall out of. I, say, I believe the Bible also means to have fun and enjoy life with our kids. Have you ever heard the saying that says the family that prays together stays together? I believe the family that also plays together stays together. You see, with so many families, the basic problem is they just need to have a little fun, need to lighten up, need to go do something.
That's the basic problem. It starts with the parents. You need to lighten up. Have fun with your kids. I believe this. If you don't have fun with your kids, don't be surprised when your kids don't come home anymore after they're gone. Another lifeguard is to treat your children as gifts from God. Man, I meant this message would be fun. I'm all uptight. Treat your children as gifts from God. The psalmist says children are a gift from the Lord. Now, every time I read that, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't, you know, I know there's families that can't have children. And I don't think that God, it's a curse. You know, things happen. We live in a fallen world and things happen. And I don't think it's that God doesn't love you and he's not rewarding you because, because it says they are a reward from him. You see, we live in a, in an age, in a culture today where many people are saying, uh, are say, see having children as the end of fun. It's almost like the end of a career, the end of the world as we know it. You know, it, it seems to me today that children have become a burden, have become a, a, a roadblock, have become a, a curse. You know, kids today are, are overlooked and mistreated in alarming numbers. And I'm not saying any of you are doing that. But it's something we should be concerned about. And here's something we should be concerned about. And that's the Huffington, Huffington Report, which I don't like that well. But I read a report that over 100,000 kids a day, uh, 100,000 kids a day are sold into the sex trafficking every year. I, that's almost hard for me to comprehend. That's a far cry from how Jesus saw children. They saw children in Jesus' day, they saw children not as a, as a curse or a burden or a trade object, but a gift from God. Children are God's possessions, treasures that he loaned to us for just a little while for us to raise and be good stewards of. Children are precious to him and he intends them to be precious to us. That's why we here at Salem Fields Community Church believe in the sanctity of life. We just do. No apologies. We believe that children are a gift from God and to be held in high esteem. You see, parents, believe me, our kids are only with you for a short time. I'm going to tell you, you're going to wake up one morning. You don't believe this now when you're changing diapers or when you're doing this and doing that and with your children. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to wake up one day and they're going to be grown up and gone in a wink, in a blink of an eye. Your children are going to be grown and out of there. They're a gift from God. And they need to be treated as a gift from God. The final lifeguard is for children. This is for the children. If there's any children in here, or any of you listening online, there's not many children in here. I picked a great day to speak about families. I told Gay this morning, I said, that's just about how I am. I'm speaking on families in the days of family camp out. <laughs> the final lifeguard is this, and it's for children. Children, and we're all children. So obey, children, obey your parents. This is, the Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this pleases the Lord. Now, this applies to you whether you're a toddler, a teen, or an adult. Love, respect, and honor your parents. You see, God hasn't given us parents. He hasn't given parents in your life of your child. Uh, he hasn't placed them in your life, uh, your lives. He didn't place them there to take the fun out of life or to embarrass you or to ruin your life. You've heard that said, right? Dad, you're running my life. I love that commercial with a little girl driving up to the school 
and she jumps out about a mile from the school because her dad embarrasses her. But it, that's not why God gave us parents, gave parents to children, but he gave parents to children to, to protect and to care for and to provide for and bring them to Jesus. This is, where the, uh, this is where the message applies to all of us. You know, someone said last night, you know, we talk about family a lot around here, but, you know, you may not be a spouse or you may not be a parent, but you are a child. All of us are a child. We have that in common, right? Has anybody here never been a child? Okay, was anybody here born to somebody? Yeah, I knew that. I was just rambling about it. And you might be thinking, though, you might be thinking, how can I honor them after what they've did to me? How can I honor them what all they put me through? And that's a great question. I get asked that question all the time. You're right. I don't know what you've been through. God sees and knows what you've been through. And yet he says, honor your parents. And he knows. And I think that when we do that, when we, we, we do that out of our love for Jesus, we honor our parents out of our love for Jesus. And the Bible promises that we honor our parents that he will bless our lives. It, you look at the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and father. It's the only command that comes with a blessing. It's the only command that has a blessing attached to it. And I know it's hard for some of you to honor your parents. But when we do that, God blesses us. Now, parents, I know what you're thinking when I talk about children obeying you. You're thinking, how cool was this? <laughs> God tells our children to obey us. But, but don't be thinking that because I'm the parent and I told you so is the attitude that you should have. In fact, the Bible says, fathers... And I suspect this means mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, parents, uh, don't provoke your children to anger by being harsh or by yelling and screaming and, and placing unreasonable expectations on them or being selfish. Remember, as I said earlier, that every child is a precious gift from God entrusted to you by the Lord. If you have a child today, it is a precious gift from God to you. And God has entrusted their care to you. God placed them in your, in your family, in your life, no matter the circumstances. There's not a mistake in the world. There's not a child that's a mistake in the world. Every child that's born is a gift from God, no matter the circumstances they're born in. They're a gift from God. And we're to be good stewards of that child. And we're good stewards... We're good stewards with that child. When you give your children, when, 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 you, when you first guard your heart personally, and, and when you uh, lead them to Jesus, and you model a guarded, surrendered heart to God. Now, I hope and pray that when you look at your family relationships in light of these six lifeguards and the two warnings, that it changes the way you show love and interact with others. That, and that, you, that not only that, but you will commit to guarding your heart personally, but you also commit to guarding the heart of your family. That you will take up that responsibility, mom, dad, parents, grandparents. Some grandparents may be raising children today. It happens. Well, if they're in your care, you have a responsibility to them today. Guard their hearts. Guard their hearts.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for families. Help us, Jesus, to do well in guarding our families. Can we all stand together? And I just want to close out and the bands go come. And I just want to invite you today. I just really would like to pray for your family. And if you would like for me to pray for your family, if you just want to make your way up here right now, and there's no music, but if you want to step out and you say, just come up and line up. If you're a mom or a dad and you want me to pray for you and your family, I want to do that today. It's not meaning you're a bad parent, okay? Don't think, oh gosh, if I go up there, everybody think I'm a bad parent. That's not. Let me tell you something. We all make mistakes as parents. Boy, I wish I could go back and do a lot of things over. But God's grace is sufficient. Anybody else want to pray for their family? That's all I'm asking is for you to come and want to pray for your family. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Father, for families. Lord, what a great idea you had when you created family. Father, we know that family was your, was your proposal. Father, that it's what you wanted, and you created man, and, and you created woman, and then you brought them together, Lord, and created family. And Lord, I just thank you for the gift of family. And Lord, I, I just pray for every family that's standing up front today that stepped out, Lord, and they, they made a commitment publicly to say, I am going to do all that I can to guard the heart of my family. God, I just pray right now that you'll wrap your loving arms of love and care around each one. I pray, dear God, that you will have your way and your will, uh, God, in each home. I pray, God, that, that uh, you would just uh, empower these parents. Lord, I pray that if they don't know Jesus, God, that they'll get to know you today, God, and, and that they'll do all that they can to guard their hearts personally. And, Father, by the grace of God, do all they can to ensure that the, that the hearts of their family are guarded, God. I pray, dear God, that you would just raise up a, a, a generation of children who love the Lord and who would be a legacy for the next generation, Lord, and that, God, that it'll be even greater than what we're seeing in our own lives today, Lord. God, I pray for our families today. Bless them, I pray. Fill them with the spirit and joy of the Lord today. God, help them to just be the lifeguards over their children today and over their families and over their husbands and over their wives. God, I pray for our nation, our world today. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in a mighty way and bring healing and hope in a hopeless and lost situations that we see all around the globe today. God, but I just so strongly believe today that it begins with me. God, help me to do my part, not only with my life personally, but with my family and with our church. God, help me to be a guard over the heart of our community and our church and my family. And I pray that for every person in this room today. God, we love you today and we thank you and we praise you. Bless these families in an incredible way this day and in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. We're going to worship together before we leave.
here this morning, Father. We give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. Lead us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Invite a friend and see you guys next weekend. Oh.